Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans of the world. It's me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950 in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, although we just kind of call it the Twin Cities. Hello. Welcome back to another show, to a, a new show, a fresh show. Um, and I am just here to give you a degree of normalcy. I am. And let me just start out by asking, how are you doing? Um, I hope all of you hearing my voice are doing well. I hope all of you are healthy, and I hope that all of you are finding some measure of peace. Me, I'm doing good. I love doing this show. Um, I continue. I will plan to continue to do this show for the duration of whenever. Um, and yesterday, I'm doing really good because yesterday I got on my bike. Spring has arrived to Minnesota. Da da. Um, and I'm writing. I think I talked about that last week. I've been working on my second book. But enough about that. We have a great show today. Uh, the big interview is with Elizabeth Sampson Lee, who um, is a, a survivor of sexual assault, multiple sexual assaults by a law enforcement officer. And I want to just make sure at the top that everybody understands this show is not uh, aimed at, at dissing law enforcement. I have great respect for law enforcement folks. The problem is with their profession as with any other, you get one bad apple in there and then everybody paints the profession wrong. But Elizabeth Sampson Lee ended up having interactions with one bad apple. And uh, she, will, uh, she will share her story about how that went and all the difficulties she had in encountering a system that was unresponsive. And then you have my C-block. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, something green. So uh, you'll just have to wait to wait for that one. But let me uh, start with the passing of a musical icon uh, who put into his songs the everyday life of love, loss, joy, and heartache. I'm speaking of Bill Withers, who died on March 30th at the age of 81. Um, I'm well familiar with the music of Bill Withers, songs like Ain't No Sunshine, Just the Two of Us, Lean on Me. Those are songs and his music was part of my early teenage years. And let me add parenthetically something here um, in the form of an asterisk or a footnote. My process for this show isn't very sophisticated. I'm the researcher, writer, and quote-unquote star. Uh, thank God we have Brett Johnson, my producer here, because otherwise this thing would never get off the ground. But this show, as you know, is about idealists and idealism. Um, and you need uh, – uh, and as, as an idealist, you need to be somebody seeking to change the world. Usually um, – that involves a degree of selflessness um, and huge risk or um, sacrifice by the person who's idealistic. So when Bill Withers died, um, I had always thought of him as more of a compassionate musician, um, but I didn't know if he fit the, the mantle or title of idealist. But you know what? I did some research and I came across an April 4, 2020 article by New York Times music writer John Perales uh, titled, quote, How Bill Withers Defined Soulful Selflessness, unquote. And yep, I figured that we could talk about Bill Withers here as an idealist. 
So some of what follows is from John Perales' uh, New York Times piece. And other parts of it are from a December 14, 2009, West Virginia public broadcasting interview of Bill Withers. I'm going to give you that date again because it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful interview. If you want to call it up, it's like a nine-minute interview. It's not very long. It happened on December 14, 2009 by West Virginia public broadcasting. Okay. So the basic background is that Bill Withers grew up in Slab Fork, and I am not making that name up, Slab Fork, West Virginia. He was born there in 1938. He was the youngest of six children, and right off the bat, he had some challenges. He was born with a stutter, something that he was he was not able to overcome until he was 30 years old. He was also small in stature, and he suffered from asthma. All of this made it difficult for Bill Withers to fit in. Like many southern communities, Slab Fork um, uh, was bisected by railroad tracks, which made the demarcate, created the demarcation line between the white color part of town and the African American or black color part of town. Um, Withers' mother's house, um, apparently the mother and father were not living in the same house. Withers' mother's house happened to be two houses over the railroad tracks. It was two houses into the white color part of town. And as he started to talk about that in the West Virginia broadcasting, uh, public broadcasting interview, I thought, oh, this is going to be, you know, we're going to just head down the road about how, you know, Jim Crow showed up and how it was difficult. But it turned out that that was not where Withers, uh, Withers was headed. But instead, what he talked about was because he lived on both parts of town, in the white color part of town and in the black color part of town, he got to know people in both of those communities. And apparently he was well-liked, even though he says he didn't fit in. Apparently he was well-liked. His nickname was Little Brother. Um, this allowed for him to play with both white kids and African-American kids. Um, and it allowed for his experience in growing up to understand – how white-colored people and African-American black-colored people could actually live together side by side. The other wrinkle here is that Withers grew up – the Slab Fork is a mining community. So we're talking coal mine. Coal mines, um, underground, very dangerous. And uh, apparently from the way Will, uh, Withers described it, they were integrated. The mine was integrated. You had white color men and black color men working together next to each other. And as Withers explained it on the, on the, in the interview with uh, West Virginia Public Broadcasting, working in the mines deep down required that each man, because it was only men, have a level of trust for each other regardless of their skin color. As Withers said, he said all that someone cared about was whether the person next to them was reliable um, and how they had become necessary to each other. To me, that was idealism at its best, understanding that we are interconnected and that the best way of getting past humans who are quote-unquote other is to be with them, to interact with quote-unquote them. And soon you don't have – you don't have other. You don't have them. All you have is quote-unquote us. Now, back to the John Perales article on Withers. Here is in part what he wrote. Quote, 
The music of Bill Withers radiated a quality that's rare in pop songs and, really, anywhere else. Selflessness. It is in the hands that Withers, sorry, I'm sorry, it's in the subjects that Withers, who died on Monday, chose to sing about. His grandmother's hard-won wisdom in Grandma's Hands, that's the name of a song. The suicidal regrets of a failed husband in Better Off Dead, another title of a song. And in one of his most indelible songs, Lean On Me, a church pledge, a churchy pledge of unconditional love and compassion. Lastly, Pirellis wrote this. His voice was at the center of every song, reedy and gritty, strong enough for preachy declamations and smooth enough to carry a lover's endearments. Yet he chose to treat that utterly distinctive voice modestly, as a vehicle, not a centerpiece. He sang his songs with down-home fervor, but he was also more than willing to let the sense of the words dissolve into rhythm an incantation into impulses and feelings. How wonderful. What a wonderful legacy. The other thing about Bill Withers is that at the height of his fame, after three Grammy award-winning songs, he decided to leave the music recording business. He decided to go off and do other things. He decided that he would live a life that wasn't going to be dictated by fame or by adoration, but instead would be dictated by Bill Withers. So, listen to this song by Bill Withers as we close out. Lean on me. Take in the melody. Take in the words. And just take in the wonderment the wonderful feeling of what this man represented.
Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. If you're looking to save money on your home or building improvement project, check out Better Futures Minnesota's reuse retail warehouse in South Minneapolis. We carry salvage building materials such as cabinetry, flooring, plumbing fixtures, appliances, lighting, and more, saving you money and saving the planet by keeping these items out of the landfill, by giving them another life. Selections change daily, and we also take donations. Go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com and look under Reuse Warehouse to learn more. Let us know AM950 sent you. And we're back on AM950, LE 2.0 Radio. Um, Bill Withers, uh, you know what? I could listen to Lean on Me. I could listen to that song about 10 times. Hopefully you could too. Sorry that you didn't get the whole thing, but you get the idea. So do yourself a favor and listen to Bill Withers today and just make yourself smile. And somebody else now I have on the line who's going to make you smile for her idealism. Um, I'm really pleased to introduce Elizabeth Sansom, Sampson Lee, who is um, both a survivor of sexual assault as well as a memoirist and a writer. Elizabeth, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. Thank you for having me, Ellie. It's nice to be here. Uh, well, I'm thrilled to have you. Um, and Elizabeth, we should probably just start out by letting the audience know that you and I actually know each other. We've been friends for a long time. We were mm-hmm. together writers in a in a memoir class at The Loft and have stayed in touch since then. And um, and uh, and when I saw your uh, story appear in the um, Star Tribune on March 28th, a story mm-hmm. by uh, Brianna Birchenbach, um, I, uh, uh, I'm like, well, I got to reach back out to Elizabeth because I, I knew the I knew the framework of this story. But um, in short, uh, you had something happen to you when you worked for the Pine County Sheriff's Department. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and tell us if you would, and 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 certainly I don't want to make you uncomfortable. So please just share what you're comfortable with, okay? Okay. And uh, let us know that, and then we'll kind of go about why it is that you and I are speaking on the air. Okay, go ahead. Okay, um, I'm comfortable speaking about it. Um, it was just a typical Wednesday in September of 2012. I was doing my regular job as an office clerk at the Pine County Sheriff's Office. And over the lunch hour, I was covering the phones in the front counter while everybody else was out at lunch. And a sergeant came in to my cubicle, cornered me in there as I was stuffing envelopes, and sexually assaulted me by reaching down into my lap and um, stroking my vagina. Um, So um, after people got... Back from their lunch hours and everything, I reported it right away. Um, I wanted to file a police report, but the sheriff just said they'd do their own investigation and denied me my right to do so. Um, That just led to a cover-up, retaliation, hostile work environment, and further harassment by the command staff and the sergeant. 
I'm so sorry that you went through all of that, Elizabeth. Thank you. And um, and 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 uh, when you, so you go to the did you go to the is it the sheriff or the captain? Yes, the you, sheriff. The sheriff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in Pine County, I'm going to assume the sheriff's department isn't all that big. I mean, it's not Cor- like St. Paul or Minnie or um, correct or Hennepin County. So Correct. you went to the sheriff, and and how long how long had you worked for the Pine County Sheriff's Department as of this date? Um, I began working there in May 2012, and this happened in September, so just a few months into the job. Okay, and and so you go to the you go to the sheriff. You say, "Listen, this happened." Was I mean, was he at all shocked, or was he like, "Not you know"? Did you get the sense that he didn't believe you, or or um, were the reaction that he he had? I didn't get the sense that he didn't believe me. In fact, throughout this whole ordeal, nobody ever denied that it happened. They just made excuses for it. Um, I should add, too, that three weeks prior to the sexual assault, I reported the sergeant for grabbing my buttocks um, in the office, too. So um, when I reported that, nothing was done either. Okay. What was the reaction when the, about the, uh, the buttocks incident? It was, oh, um, oh, God, you know, um, and then I was told by my female supervisor, basically, don't feel special. You're not the only one that he's done this to. Okay. All right. So in other words, <clears throat> you know, just kind of go along with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. yep. Okay. And um, and so, so you, the sheriff said that he would investigate it. Um, he didn't uh, – he said Did no not. need no need for a written report on – the second incident, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. All right. And and what did he do any investigation to your knowledge? Um, to my knowledge, no. Um, and I, I should note too that um, when I first started working there, my job, I was hired to go work in a satellite office in the Hinkley office, which wasn't ready yet. So I was in the main office in Pine City when all of this happened. Um Then I finally moved to the Hinkley office, and I realized because they were going to give the sergeant a key to the office, and I had a fit about it, I realized that there was a cover-up, and the chief deputy, who they said did any discipline, didn't even know about the assault. This was in December, yeah. Okay, all right. So, Mm -hmm. in other words, you got lip service. Yep. And And I'm sensing... It was sort of the atmosphere of boys will be boys. Is that um, a a fair characterization? That is a very fair characterization. And I actually, when I worked in the satellite office, had um, members of another law enforcement agency tell me that I was victim number 30-something. By this uh, man. Of of the sergeant? Yes. Okay. Oh, I am... I am so very, very sorry. Thank you. Okay, so, so at what at what point did you decide that you needed to do something different, other than to just simply rely on a system, an internal system at the Pine County Sheriff's Department that was not working? Um, well, when I heard that, I of the number of victims that there allegedly were, I mean, that sort of catapulted me. <clears throat> And then when I found out that they covered it up and there was really no investigation, that also added to it. And it just got to a point where I couldn't not do something. I mean, 
how could I not? So I just stuck with it, um, documented everything. I recommend that to anybody who's going through this dates, times, witnesses, anything. Um, and then I worked there in that fashion for 18 months afterward, documenting everything. Uh, I finally left when I realized that somebody accessed my personal DVS information, which is address, photo, vehicle, everything like that. Someone from Pine County accessed it, and then I freaked out and I left. Okay. Because I didn't feel safe anywhere. Okay. All right. Um, and, And did you leave with another job, or did you just leave? Um, by that time, I, I had another job. Part of the reason I stayed for 18 months was because my anxiety was so high. Um, for example, I went to a job interview to take a typing test and just during the test had a major meltdown where my hands were just slapping the keyboard. I mean, this was so taxing mentally. Sure. And my mental health was just so compromised that I could hardly get out. And it just became like, you know, the beast that you know is where you find the comfort kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I knew I needed all that documentation all right, for well, anyone to do anything. So, Elizabeth, we're going to have to take a break here. Okay. Okay. But when we come back, I want to talk more about this horrific incident that you've gone through, but also about how you've really, um, from an idealistic standpoint, tried to make the world better for other women. Okay. okay. All right. So, listeners, we're speaking to Elizabeth Sanson Lee about an incident that, that happened. Um, if you like what you hear, visit my website at lakrug.com. Email me at lejkrug at gmail.com. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks. I want to take a Hi, Alex of Better Futures, Minnesota. Does your business or organization need janitorial services, lawn care, or snow services? Obtain a free, no-obligation estimate from Better Futures Minnesota when you mention that you heard about us on AM950. Our supervised, hardworking, and affordable crews will handle your interior and exterior building and property maintenance needs while you help men in your community transform their lives and walk on a positive path to success. It's a win-win. To learn more, go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com under Business Services. Rending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Um, we've been, uh, uh, before we took our break, we were speaking with Elizabeth Sampson Lee, who um, was the um, uh, the survivor, who is the survivor of uh, two different uh, uh, sexual assaults when she worked at the Pine City, excuse me, Pine County Sheriff's Department. Um, and uh, before we took our break, Elizabeth, you were talking about how you had 
tried to dog the system um, in Pine County at the sheriff's department, came to find out that they really did not investigate uh, either of your complaints um, of the of the assaults, and that eventually you made the decision that you needed to leave. Is that mm-hmm. does that summarize it pretty good? And so, but but not only did you, I mean, you left, but you did not stop. I mean, you ended up trying uh, to. Uh, work the system in other ways, and can you tell us how you what you tried to do? Yes, um, what I did was what we're all told that we're supposed to do, and I filed a complaint with the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, that lasted for three years, and ultimately they ruled that Pine there was wrongdoing in Pine County, um, and then. They basically, I was forced into a settlement um, that I signed under protest. Okay. It was a long, grueling process. Okay, mm-hmm. so, and and right now some listeners are like, how do you get forced into something like that? You did have a lawyer, and we don't need to get into yes. uh, the name of the law firm, but you got, but what happened was, I mean, you got worn down by the system. Do I have Absolutely. that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Three years is a long time when... When I felt like other women were probably getting violated, the sergeant is still out on the streets with a gun and a uniform with power. It, my whole goal was to stop him and get him off the street. The EEOC said that was outside of their scope. Right. But you didn't mm-hmm. just, you just, but, um, because, uh, because you are, um, tenacious, you didn't just stop with that. You ended up trying to, um, work with a different organ, a different um, agency within the state uh, about trying to get the the uh, sh- sergeant off the street. And what was that? What did you do next? That was after the EEOC settlement. I went to the Minneapolis Peace Officers Standards and Training Board. They do all the licensing for peace officers in the state of Minnesota, and I filed a complaint there. Okay. Um, th- that process lasted two years, but. A few months into it was the first time an actual investigation was done by an outside agency the post board hired. That investigator wanted to charge the sergeant with a crime, but the statute of limitations was up on a crime I immediately reported because my case was stuck in the systems for too long. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so that would be what we would call a catch twenty two, in, in like yes. the biggest possible way, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, all right. But you're still, um, but you're still persistent and dogged. And tell us yes. what you did next. <laughs> well, the, with the post board, that two year process that culminated in the sergeant being able to retire. Um, with benefits, and he surrendered his already expired peace officer's license. So that was the outcome of this whole eight-year battle. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Well, but yes. but you have continued to try and make some uh, something positive come out of this, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I found two huge problems, uh, well, many problems, but two that <clears throat> I'm trying to get changed in the state of Minnesota. One is for... Victims of sexual assault when the perpetrator is law enforcement to have a path to reporting. I mean, when I asked to make a report or tried to make a report, I was denied by the, by the top law enforcement official of Pine County. I approached other agencies to see if they would take a report. They could not. 
because okay. it wasn't a felony <clears throat> and because they would need the sheriff to tell them to investigate. Okay. <clears throat> More catch-22. Yes. Yep. Okay. So, but you have, you've decided, I mean, at some point you decided you were going to like use your imagination, which is one of the things that idealists do, mm-hmm. and think outside the box. And so what, what ultimately did you end up doing? I ended up talking to lawmakers at the state capitol, um, telling my story, trying to get change made for the state agency, the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, to do the investigations for sexual assault by law enforcement. Um, One, that would be an avenue to report for victims. And secondly, it would be a way to track the statistics of sexual assault perpetrated by law enforcement because there are no statistics right now. There's no tracking. There's nothing because each department handles their own, which is also problematic. And in in the Strib story that um, reported about your story, okay, Mm -hmm. I mean, it cites uh, a number of different uh, law enforcement um, persons, uh, you know, law officers, peace officers who have been charged with counts of sexual assault. But that was only through anecdotal research that somebody was able to find that. There is no central repository, correct? Correct. Of of that Um, information. They only learn about it through the media. Okay. Media reports, yes. All right. So mm-hmm. you approached, uh, was it Kelly Muller? Um, yes, from the Kelly DF- From the DFL, and you mm-hmm. talked with her about the need to get some legislation in place so that the uh, the Bureau of Criminal uh, Apprehension would be, um, would be the entity that would then – you can make reports to about sexual assault by uh, peace officers and then in turn uh, they would go and investigate uh, those reports. Do I have that right? You have that correct, yes. Okay, so so Kelly introduced that legislation. Did it have any other signers or was it just Kelly herself? Oh, no, there were lots of signers. Um, she, she brought me in to testify before the Public Safety Committee at the Capitol. Okay. And it got unanimous support by... By all of them. Really? Um, okay. Yes. Yes. So where's and the where's the bill right now? The bill right now is it was um, it was set to go to another committee. However, COVID nineteen happened, so now you know everything <laughs> shut down. The momentum is lost, which is a huge bummer. Um, but you know they're taking care of the state of Minnesota, so um, this is pretty much on the back burner. All right, but that doesn't mean it's going to go away. And I no. have a feeling because you are darn persistent, <laughs> Elizabeth, um, uh-huh. you're not going to let it go away, right? Do I have that I am correct? not going – no, I'm not <laughs> going to let it go. While they're dealing with this other stuff, I'll be behind the scenes trying to figure out ways to get the story out um, and get things to change. As yes. you are doing right this minute by us speaking. so <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> although I was the one that approached you. You didn't approach uh-huh. me. So, Elizabeth, okay, now, let's, uh, uh, first of all, I just want to tell you how much I admire you, okay? Thank you. You know, because I, the the emotional strain, you've already talked about that a little bit, about how this takes a toll on you, mm-hmm. and, um, but notwithstanding that, you didn't cave in. I mean, you didn't fall down. You didn't go into a hole. You ended up, you know, you stood tall and uh, mm-hmm. you're a beacon of women who are law enforcement. So I just want to tell you how much I respect you for that. Thank you very much. But you're also a writer, just like I am. I am okay. Mm-hmm. And you have – so tell us about uh, – you've written a book about this. Is that right? 
I have written a book about this. Um, it'll be released on September 26th of this year, hopefully. And I chose that date because that's the, the date I was sexually assaulted. And I want to reclaim that date for myself oh. and make it something positive and something wonderful. That's just great. So uh, that is so, so symbolic. Tell us, mm -hmm. uh, what's the title of the book? It's called Bound and Gag by the Thin Blue Line. Oh. And it... What it is, it's more like it's called a memoir, but it's more like an expose, I would say. Um, it, it just happens to be my story. Okay. Um, so it's more like an investigative journalism kind of thing that exposes these broken systems. And it talks about how these systems really work versus how we're told that they work, which are two t completely different things. Can uh, listeners uh, uh, order advanced copies of the book, or is that possible? It's, it's not quite ready yet, okay. but, okay. but it's coming. If you follow the my Facebook page, the news will be coming out. That's what I'm doing during this break, too, is the social media learning curve. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you can also create a Facebook page for the book, So, uh -huh. just so you know that. Um, yes, I will be. So, all right. So if they want to follow uh, at least you on Facebook, uh, th your name is spelled – it's with an S. It's E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H, yes. e -E Samson, mm -hmm. S-A-M-S-O-N, Lee, right? L-E-E, -E, right? That's correct. And then I have uh, Writer Fighter Crusader on there too. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So – all right, so that's great that you've got a book coming out. Now, mm -hmm. now let me just, I mean, we've got a, a couple of minutes left. What, what do you think made you um, dog it in this? I mean, this is very idealistic, you understand. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a huge degree of selflessness involved with what you're doing because every time you've got to talk about it, every meeting you've ever had with someone, you've had to... You've had to have these incidents back in the forefront of your mind. Mm -hmm. And so there's selfishness um, in, involved with this. What, why, why are you that way? What do you think? Um, well, there, there's just certain beliefs that I hold that I've always had. And they, they just have come to the forefront with all of this. I mean, I believe that everyone has the right to move around this world safely and freely. Um, I also believe that everyone has a right to a safe workplace. And, and I believe that together we can all make this happen. Those well, are my beliefs. Well, and, and, you know, given the number of women that, um, you, you know, at least anecdotally, you were told that this sergeant had assaulted and none of them came forward. It's very, it's very important that you speak up. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously you're going against the curve in doing this. And, um, and and women need we women need to have advocates like you. And so I just mm -hmm. want to tell you, I just I'm so thankful that you've done this work and that you are continuing to do it. And that I have a sense you will not rest until this legislation is passed. Mm -hmm. um, am I correct about that? You are very <laughs> correct, and probably even beyond that, whatever comes to me to do, I will be doing because. It is so important. I mean, I had an advantage over the other victims, I think, in that, you know, I didn't live there. Like, he couldn't just show up at my house or pull me over or whatever. You didn't, I mean, live, in, I, you didn't live in Pine County. Okay. Right. I mean, right. yeah, I got out. So, therefore, I had that space even though I still work there. I mean, it was really complicated. But 
I mean, I just feel like they were all on my shoulders and I had the opportunity to do it and I'm stubborn enough to do it. So I did. Well, Elizabeth Sampson Lee, thank you so very much for being on Ellie 2.0 radio. We look forward to, um, we look forward to reading your book and to your book launch on September 26th. And again, give us the title of the book. So everyone has it. It's Bound and Gag by the Thin Blue Line. Okay. Elizabeth, thanks so very much for being on my show. I wish you the very best as you go forward, and I will be there on September 26th. Take care. Thank okay? you so much. You take care, too. I appreciate it, Ellie. Okay, listeners, we've been speaking with Elizabeth Sampson Lee. Um, we'll be back in a second with Block C. Thanks. Did you know there's deconstruction funding available now for homeowners and contractors in Hennepin County? If you are embarking on a remodel or teardown this year, consider hiring Better Futures Minnesota's deconstruction crews instead of demolition. By taking a house or building apart by hand instead of destroying it with heavy equipment, the materials can be reused or recycled instead of going into the landfill. It is much more cost-effective and is a carbon-neutral solution. Go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com and look under Business Services to learn more. We're back on AM 950. Ah, with me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Um, okay, Elizabeth Sampson Lee. <laughs> you know, that's the thing about idealists, okay? Once they get an idea in their head, they don't give up. Once they bite on something, once they, boom, they chew onto something, they have latched onto it, they don't give up. And hopefully um, you were inspired, just like I was inspired to speaking to Elizabeth, and I so look forward to getting her book and reading it. So um, mark mark your calendars, please. September 26th at The Loft in Minneapolis. Um, Please come. All right. So we are now in my C block uh, where I usually talk about my work as an idealist. Uh, with the virus, uh, you know, that's <clears throat> a little bit more restricted. I'm not standing in front of audiences uh, telling them, uh, talking to them about human inclusivity, talking to them about how they can get past othering of other humans. I'm not doing that, although I have an online thing coming up uh, next week uh, where I will be speaking about that, but that's online. Um, uh, and, you know, and if you want to find out about it, you can go to my website at ellikrug.com or you can, uh, you can uh, go to Eventbrite. Uh, just Google Eventbrite. Overcoming Otherness is the way of the name of the talk. It's a little pricey though, um, but maybe you can swing it or maybe your organization would be willing to swing it. So, all right. Um, so, so the standing in front of audiences, that's kind of gone uh, a little bit into a hiatus. I, you know, I'm still doing my idealistic work. This radio show is part of that. Um, hopefully you all agree that this is uh, – generally this show is inspiring. And then, um, you know, I, my newsletter is still coming out. If you have an interest in my newsletter, The Ripple, which goes out to almost 9,500 people every month, um, you can go to elliekrug.com and you can sign up for the newsletter. But things are slow, Okay. Um, I'm, you know, I'm working on my second book. I talked about that last week. Um, but the thing is, things are slow. 
And I, um, I suspect, like many of you hearing my voice right now, I have slowed down in a variety of ways. Um, you know, and I want to talk with you. I want to talk with you about green. Okay, I do. Actually, I want to talk with you about something that is green. I want to talk to you about sprouts. Not the kind that you eat, but the kind that come out of the ground in the form of like wild flowers. So um, many of you might – you're not going to know this about me, but um, I love to watch things grow. I do. Um, you know, I love watching children grow. I, watch, I love watch humans grow intellectually, okay? But I also like to watch plants grow, all right? Now, I've lived in a condo for 10 years. Uh, you know, I don't have a big, you know, backyard or anything like that. I have pots and, uh, you know, pots that you plant things in, not pot. And, um, you know, so I've been a home, you know, I'm a Home Depot person. I go and, and for the last nine years, I've gone to Home Depot. I get my starter flowers. But for every one of those nine years, okay, I have wanted to plant seeds. <laughs> I have. Uh, because I love to watch seeds just come out of the ground. Uh, but I've never had the time except until this year, courtesy of the virus. Um, and so two weeks ago, I ordered wild flower seeds um, from a catalog company. Uh, and you know what? It was like one of those things. It's minimum. You have to order like 10 packets, okay? You know, 75 cents a packet, but you have to order 10 packets as a minimum. And I'm like, I don't have – I mean, 10 packets is like – a backyard. I don't have a backyard. So I called them and you know what? They were like, we're going to send you three sample packets for free. And they did. It cost them postage. It cost them time. But they did. God love them. And so um, so uh, American Meadows, name of the company, by the way, American Meadows is the name of the seed company that did that nice thing for me. All right. So I had the seeds, but now I needed planters uh, because you can't like – it's too – I can't bring in the outside planters into my condo. So I used my imagination um, and I created seedling planters out of my cranberry juice and OJ juice containers. Yep, got done with them. I took a little scissors or knife and chopped off the tops. And voila, (laughs) you have plastic planters uh, right there. So last Tuesday, okay, because I got my seeds like on Monday, last Tuesday – I planted. I had um, I had soil top so I you know planter soil from um, you know in my storage unit. Um, I planted the seeds uh, last Tuesday. So this we're taping this on a Monday. So we're not even a weekend, okay? And unbelievably, within five days, I had I had sprouts. I had shoots of green popping through black dirt. I cannot tell you how happy that made me. <laughs> it did. I know. Okay, Ellie, Ellie. Get a life, okay? But it did. It made me, and I have been ever since watching for more sprouts to come up. There's one big sprout that's like the one that popped uh, first, and it's the tallest now. I'm, I call it sprout, believe it or not, okay? And um, I'll be actually writing about this in Lavender Magazine. I know, Ellie, you need to get a life. Um, but it is so incredible to see, okay? And 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 why does it give me so much joy? I don't know. I I just think it's the idea of renewal. The idea that you know something good is going to be coming soon. 
You know, I mean, I were, you know, obviously several weeks away from real flowers, okay? And so for a long time, it's just going to be sprouts um, and then plants. But I think it is the idea, it's the, re- it's the renewal that comes with it. Um, I've actually got more seeds coming <laughs> from a couple of other companies, and I'm working on drinking more cranberry juice, so I have more planters. As we deal with the isolation and the confinement that we have, Um, And the same square feet, day in and day out. I urge you to look for joy in small things. You can hear the joy in my voice about this. And it's real. I'm not not faking it at all. If you can see me on on Facebook Live right now, you see I'm very excited. And so I ask you, and I just wonder, if you started to pay attention, what joy could you find right now? What would be the thing that would make you excited like sprouts make Ellie Krug excited? And if you can figure that out, go nurture it, will you? You got the time. Um, and it, I guarantee you it will be do wonders for your mental health. Absolutely guarantee it. Because just seeing these sprouts have made me feel a whole lot better about being cooped up in 1,100 square feet. Okay. Well, listen, that's it for our show. I need to thank our sponsors, Brending Electrolysis. Contact Bev. She's on hiatus right now, uh, but certainly uh, you can make appointments for her in the future and Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance. A big thanks to my spo- uh, my producer, Brett Johnson. Um, you have the opportunity to become members of AM950. I would absolutely ask that you do that, that you take out a membership. It's going to cost you, but it's a way of supporting this station. It is very important that we support AM950. Thank you for considering that. And for all of you, thank you so very much for being here. Thank you for tuning in every Monday. Thank you for putting up with my false starts and and bad reading sometimes. Take care. Be well. Talk to you next week.